Amen. Well, I want to read to you out of James today. James chapter 1, verse 17. That will be our reference. And um, we'll go from there. James chapter 1, verse 17. And it says this. It says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That's <laughs> so good. We're talking about God is good. And, you know, most, I think all Christians believe that God is good because they're saved. Right? How many are just thankful for salvation? How many are thankful for a secure eternity? Right? And um, and so, as we mentioned last week a little bit, you know, why is this important? Why, why is it important to really understand this theme? Because do you realize that who God is to you is is how you will represent him to everybody else? And, and how many know that that God has a desire to be represented well? Amen. I mean, he represents himself really well. Jesus is our model. You look at Jesus, you see the Father. When you study the life of Jesus, what do you see? It says about Jesus that he went about doing good. It's so good. No one ever came to Jesus and said, will you heal me? And he said, oh, not today. <laughs> Think there's no place. There's not one person who came to Jesus who got who got to Jesus, who got in front of him, that needed a healing in their body. And Jesus said, well, I would, but the Father is teaching you something through this. Yeah, I, I would, but, but this is from the Father to help you become more me-like. <laughs> right? No. No, no, everybody who came to Jesus was touched. Everyone who came to Jesus was, was healed, was drawn. He said, I'll, anyone who comes to me, I will never cast him out. Right? This is God. This is our gracious God. Right? He's like a, a smoking wick. I will never snuff it out. Right? I mean, there's just so many verses in choosing scripture today. I mean, but really because this is the message of the gospel. The gospel means good news. All right. I heard, um, how many heard R.T. Kendall? R.T. Kendall said in a message that I listened to once, he said, the time you heard the gospel and you thought that's too good to be true is the time you actually heard it. That's the time you heard the gospel. <laughs> it's too good to be true. Yeah, it's such a good deal. Because the deal is, I bring myself a mess. And even if we look like we're all together, right? It's like the reality is, apart from God, we're a mess. So I come to God before Christ. I come, what do I bring? Nothing. Except for some sin, some broken thinking, some dysfunction. I mean, you know what I mean? And I'm like... Here I am, God, this is what you get. And he's like, that's good, because that's what I paid for. And he takes all that, and he goes, do you know what you get? 
You get restoration. You get salvation. You get righteousness. You get healing. You get joy. You get hope. You get courage. You get redemption. You get me working in your life continuously. <laughs> Isn't that good news? And, 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 and the truth is, if it isn't good yet, God's not done yet. That's the reality. Because it says that only good and perfect things come down from the Father of lights. And now, I used to have some, you know, it's funny how you can encounter God and you're blown away by who He is, right? How many remember that when you were first saved? Like, you know, maybe some of you have served the Lord since you were three, but, but how many remember like the joy of salvation? Like, man, life is different. I'm different. God is alive. And we're living this out. And then yet we find little pockets in our life of still some like broken thinking. And, and that process is called sanctification. The longer you walk with God, the more he makes you like him. And you're destined, you're destined for perfection. That's good news. That's great news. You're destined for perfection. You should just look at your neighbor and just say, you're destined for perfection. You know you're going to be perfect. The good news is, here's the thing. When the father looks at us, he sees perfection. Because he's so confident in his work that it is so finished and so done that when he looks at you, he's like, perfect, perfect, because because we become, the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ. So we're just setting up for, for God is good. Jesus said in another occasion, right, in John three, he said, he said, you know, you know, the famous John three sixteen, um, God loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Right. But I think the next part that we often don't quote is in some ways even more powerful because he makes it so clear. He says, and, and in case you were wondering what that means, it means I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I didn't come here to condemn anybody. I came to save the world. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And, and so God is always saving. The Bible says that it's the, it's, it's the, the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Right? And so, but I thought like if I just point out my coworker's sin that he's just gonna come to Jesus one day. No. No. You know, and actually, practically speaking, if you think of it, if you think about it in your life, think about the person or the people in your life who have most radically impacted you for good. The people that you have high regard, the people that you revere and love and treasure the most, like who have had an impact on you. Think about those people that you're like, man, they've changed my life. I'm so thankful for them. I'll bet you this. I bet you they're encouraging. I bet you they're not condemning. I bet you they, I bet you they're not like a hammer in your life. I bet you, I mean, sometimes you, you know, God will bring something good to you in a bummer package sometimes if you've got eyes to see it. And that is the truth. 
if you're humble enough, sometimes he gives you what you need. And it's like, oh, it's so offensive. But there's a little twig in there that's from God. And and um, but I'll tell you, the people who radically impact your life represent the goodness of God in your life. The people who have changed me the most are the ones who have loved me the best. And and um, and and that's godlike. Okay. Furthermore, not we're not only saying that God is good. We're saying that by nature, he's in a good mood. God is in a good mood. Now, I used to think that God is good. And if he's grumpy with me, it's because I need it. And that's because he's good. It's all this weird. It's weird. Right? You're like. No, like when you're grumpy, you apologize for it. Right? I mean, and, and God's never had to apologize one time. In his whole life. By nature, God is in a good mood. And you'll say, well, you know, he got upset with the Israelites. And, and he got upset with this. Now, yes, there are things that displease God. But by nature, God is in a good mood. And think about it like this. Think about this omnipotent God who literally is having an intimate relationship with you right now. Right now, you're sitting here in your chair... And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. While I'm speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation from the Holy Spirit working on you. You know what's amazing is that all the people in here are having their own interaction and their own downloads from God as we sit here. God is able to be intimate with an unlimited amount of people at the same time. Why, why is this important? Because, we said this last week, but when something, when something happens in my life that kind of puts me out for a moment, right? I'm like kind of in a bad mood. You know what happens? Everybody gets affected by it a little bit. You know? Like everybody. So I'm not my best. I have this on my mind. I'm so like... I'm so limited in my capacity compared to God that that this is on my mind. This one thing is bothering me. Therefore, if I don't really like exercise some good self-control, which we're able to do, right? And when I come to my kids, I'm like, this is on my mind. But if I if I'm not careful with it, if I don't go, okay, this has nothing to do with my kids, and it's not going to steal. Okay, now you have my full attention. And while I'm giving full attention, I'm like, no, no, I'm here. And but God doesn't have that battle. What does that mean? It means that God has the capacity to be displeased about this and still generally be in a good mood. It's his disposition because because it's his nature. He's good natured. Your nature is who you are at the core. Amen. All right. So, let's just go after the basics here. There's light and there's dark, right? God is good and he's absolutely good. I mean, just in case we have any questions. The devil is bad and he is completely bad. He's bad. God, he's only, only good. And the devil is only bad. 
This is where we're really getting deep. Theologically. Let me break. I mean, this is where we're really getting into the, the complicated stuff. Um, this one. So, so, so that means if something is bad, where did it come from? Not from God. Right. Right. And, you know, I love what I love what Bill says. He says God's ability to win with any hand actually causes some people to think that he dealt the hand in the first place. That's what we do, right? It's like, well, I've got these tough situations in my life and then God redeems it and rocks my world and I'm better than I ever was before. And we go, God gave me a trial to make me like him. But the truth is that God is ever seeking to reveal himself to us. And, and I think that part of the reason why we think God uses trials to reveal himself is because those are often the times when we're most focused on him. <laughs> think about this. Think about this. Right? Like, like when we're really in, when we're really in a struggle is oftentimes where we run to God. Hopefully that's what we do. Some people judge God hard in their heart and move away from Him. That's sad. But, but when, we're, when we're in a tough spot, what happens is, most of the time, we, we lean into God. God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And then you, and you, what happens is, you're like, I am so in need of help. I'm thinking about how much I need help. And I'm looking to you like all day, every day. I'm laying down going, God, what am I going to do? I'm waking up going, God, help me. You know, and you know what? And then God goes, boom. And he comes and he breaks through and he gives you revelation and he speaks to you and he upgrades your life. And you're like, wow, God works. God changes my life through trials. Ah. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I love that girl. And um, and so. Um, <laughs> uh, but the truth is, is that God is ready to reveal himself to us. And, and I think what happens often is that we just get distracted in life. And so I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. I'm like, I'm like, God, because I'm like, God, how much. Victory and blessing and overcoming and joy and favor. I think God's looking for a people who can be so wrapped up in his goodness and so single eyed upon him that he could give unlimited favor, blessing, authority, anointing. That entire regions will come under the power of God and entire cities Again, we'll be saved. It's happened before and it's happening again. And that when he's doing that, the more he does in, in my life, the more he speaks to me, the more I go, oh, God, I need you. And I'm looking to him more and more so that it's not trials that lead me to God. It's my love for him that leads me to him. It's a passion-driven relationship, right? 
Sometimes we, some of us do our human relationships like that. Like we're not going to manage them and then now our relationship's in trouble so i got to work really hard on it. And then it feels like a little bit of pressure goes off and then I'm going to go back to doing the dumb stuff I was doing before to mess my relationship up or, the, or somebody does, right? And then it's like, well, it's not doing well again. And then I work hard on it, you know? But God's like, it's so much better than that. Yeah. Alright, check this out. The realm in which God's rule is perfectly implemented is perfect. This is great evidence. All of God's ways work. All His ideas work. Everything He does is right. Heaven is beautiful. In heaven, there's no sadness, no loss, no hunger, no lack. No sickness, no sin, no offense, misunderstanding, no crying, no depression, you name it. No addiction. What's my point? God is good. And the place where God's nature is is fully manifest is a perfect place. Now the earth, he gave to you and me. He gave this to us. Now, the place that people are in charge of has some problems. Now, what happens is, and you hear this, both non-Christians and Christians alike sometimes have this question. And they're like, if God is good, then why did that thing happen? Right? But if you think about it, like, I mean, if... It's literally like I'm giving God credit for some bad thing somebody else did. We're just getting to the points here in a minute. You see, part of God's goodness is that he refuses to control anybody. We go, God's in control. Well, he could be. God's on the throne. (laughs) God's a redeemer. Everything will manifest perfection in the end but it's our job this is the thing why well, i think that we confuse god's nature with us not fulfilling our assignment like and even if we are fulfilling our assignment it's just like we're still on a journey we're not fulfilling it to perfection And there's people out there who have an assignment that need to come in. And the more people that come in and fulfill their assignment, the more heaven gets established on the earth. And the more actual nature of God begins to show up on the planet for other people to see. And this is the goal, that the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. That in the end, it all looks perfect. And so when when what many people don't realize is when they go, well, why did that... Why did, why did this atrocity over here happen if God is good? 
Well, I'd say, I know it's crazy to think about this, but, but part of the reason that happened is because God is so good that he will not control people. He is calling people because he's a God of love. He's actually not a God of control. Fear controls. The kingdom of darkness is about fear and control and intimidation. You will do what I say. But, but God, but, but God's kingdom is about like, like, I gave you freedom. Because I'm looking for love. I love you unconditionally. I'm looking for someone to love me back. I'm looking to share love. And, and I think that one of the misconceptions that takes place is when we really begin to go after this subject of the goodness of God in the Christian world, in the kingdom, really, is that we, we begin to say, and what happens, I saw this, like I knew people, and we're like, well, God is good. And then in their life, they would face some challenges, and they would get derailed. And they're like, because they had a challenge, they're questioning if God is good. And I'm like, you know what it is? God's goodness is not on trial. And that he never promised us that we wouldn't have any challenges in life. Actually, he promised us that we would. He says, he says, in this world, you will have some troubles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, God is good and in a good mood does not mean that there aren't challenges in life. Right. The longer that you go, you're like things. There are things that happen in life that you're like, that's not good. You know, like good friends that you would camp with for years, you know, and you had your families together and all of a sudden they're divorced. Their whole family's broken up and we can't. It's never going to be back like, you know, it's never going to be like that again. And it's a loss. It's a major loss. There's heartache. You know, you feel it. You know, other things that happen in life, and I'm like, but in the midst of it, God is good. God is good. God is good. And I remember, you know, I'll tell this story on another day, but but I remember, you know, when, you know, some years back, we went through some challenges for for ourselves. And um, that, you know, we, we've got four kids, and actually the truth is we have seven. And three of them are in heaven. And before they were born, you know, they went there, and uh, and it was tough. Two of them were two of them were second trimester, so we held those little girls, and and like we 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 ah I get emotional now, but it's not pain tears. It's like it's just tears of love, you know. Like God is so good in it. Then I'll tell you the joy of being able to be in that situation. Now, there's no, no joy in that situation. But, but I'll tell you, it is an amazing thing to be able to go, we are, we, our hearts are ripped apart right now. And yet I come into the house of God and there's something so privileged about being able to lift my hands up and go, I love you. I don't know why this. I don't understand. But I know this. You're good. 
But I don't know how you're going to redeem this situation. But I'm going to leave that up to you. I belong to you. I love you. And because for some Christians, God's still on trial in their hearts. Do you realize that? Sometimes, sometimes instead of having God on the throne, we've got him on trial. And you're like, well, I'll believe God when he does this for me. I'll have a better attitude when God does this. When he does what? Like when he sends his son. When he takes stripes. When he's beaten almost to death. When he hangs on the cross and dies. When he raises again. When he saves us from hell. I mean, when he does what? What are we waiting for God to do? For his goodness to be settled forever. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. But I'm telling you, when there is an accusation, even a little one, against God, you've got to know where that's coming from. And you do have an enemy. Someone's trying to stop you. (laughs) Well, that's okay. That's not good news. Is there ever a day that he didn't want to stop you? He can't. He can't. He would have by now if he could. He can't. The enemy's defeated. He's got no place in your life. But he'd like to stop you if he could. Do you know how he can? Get you to believe his lies. He doesn't have any new tricks. It's what he did in the garden. Got some people to doubt God. And his nature, his goodness toward them. Hmm. And you know, I, I really think that the cure... I think the cure for having God on trial in our hearts is is an encounter with God. Because I tell you, when I really come into the presence of God, you know, it's like, how many read the book of Job? Everybody rambles for chapters on end. And then finally, God's like, okay, now you sit down and I'm going to talk. And at the end of that little conversation, it's like, you're God, you're God, you're right. You know, which Job always knew, by the way, Job was, Job was always in good shape. But, but, you know, the cure for having God on trial in our life and having his goodness be a question. Do you know that that is not supposed to be a part of your Christian life? You're not supposed to live your Christian life trying to figure out. And, I, and sometimes it's not a conscious thing. It's like something happens in my life and you're like, why, God? Thanks a lot. Like, I, I can't make my car payment or my house. Or, you know, I don't know where the money's going to come. You know what? He's never, he always has come through before. But, but we get these attitudes that crop up. And that attitude is evidence to me that I've been listening to the accuser. Listen, an an accusation always comes from the same place. Doesn't matter if it's against your brother, your sister, your spouse, or if it's against God himself, there is one accuser. And when I began to put those accusations on my lips and rehearse them in my mind... 
I am partnering with the accuser who would like nothing more than to separate me from a radical revelation of how good my father really is. And that he is, he's for me. And when you know this, you get to, you know what you get to do? You get to stand still and see the salvation of your God. You realize that, like, and, and you know what? I, and even things that that end in this temporal life in a way that doesn't seem glorious, or it's clearly not. You know, you, I another cure to this wrong mindset of God is that part of the one. Let me say it this way. One thing that limits us from seeing God in all of his goodness and all of his glory is that we as believers get temporal in our mindsets. We forget that eternity, we're living for eternity. And that there are, I believe in redemption in this life and victory in this life every day. And at the end of the day, whatever isn't completely perfect will be. In eternity. There is coming a day when the judge of all makes it all good. It says he's going to wipe away every tear. And I believe that experiencing the goodness of God in our life in a way that affects my mood on a daily basis has to do with this abandoned trust. This trust. And trust really is in a nature of a person. Do you know how many how many have ever had somebody say you know what so-and-so did? They, did? they did this. And then it's somebody that you really know, like you really know them. And you're like, I know that person, and you're wrong. Like, I, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm like, I know that person. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm going to go find out that I'm right. Like, you know, and, and, and you, you have people in your life that way. But how much more our father? You know, when the enemy comes and he goes, this happened, is God good? Oh, yeah, he is. He is. I know who's not. (laughs) Get behind me. Amen. It's important that we realize how, how we see God, who God is to me, is who I reflect him to be to others. Like, if God's kind of mad, I'm going to be kind of mad. Like, if God's a God of judgment and wrath, I'm going to preach that message. You can always tell, you know, people that are really condemning Christians. Let's just say it that way. Christians who really kind of are condemning and they're always pointing out what's wrong and they're always critical and and uh, nobody, there's none of those in here. But like, you know, you've, you've seen them on Facebook and and like and. Do you know what? You know what will help you have compassion for someone like that? When you realize that they think that's how God's dealing with them. Because they're giving out what they think they're receiving. You see, what you believe to be true is true for you in your experience. But when you believe the truth, you're free. People go, whatever you believe, that's true for you. No. What you believe will play out and you will see the whole world as if it's true. And you will find so much evidence that you're right about what you believe 
But you'll know that you have the truth when you're free. Because when you know the truth, you're free. Freedom. Free. I don't have offense. I don't have grudges. I'm free. I'm so free. I'm free to serve, free to worship, free to smile, free to laugh. Right? Remember the back ones? They said when you laugh, you got to let go of something. So if you let if you let go and you laugh, great. If you just got to laugh to let go, then do that. It doesn't matter what the order is. But receive your freedom. Yeah. And so I would ask you, you know, what? Well, just close your eyes for a minute, if you will. Now, this revelation of the goodness of God, it, where God is really looking, He wants it to our core. I'll tell you a story real quick. Maybe I've told it before, but one of the ways you know that you're believing a lie is if you lack hope in an area of your life. When you think about an area of your life, you're like, you know, it's like, oh, I think about this family member and where they're at. Oh, I just get so discouraged. You know, if, if that happens, you're like, I'm lacking hope and I need a word from God. Because when God speaks, I'm going to have hope. Any area of your life that isn't glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. So here's an area for me. I was I was youth pastoring. And um, you can open your eyes. Sorry, I'm going to tell you the story and then I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> I don't want to make you close your eyes all the time. I really felt prompted to tell the story. And um, I was youth pastoring. And... Uh, and, you know, going after, so one Wednesday, Wednesday night was youth, and uh, I'm getting ready for youth, and I had to run home from the youth office to my house, and I forget why I didn't usually run home, but I did that day. I had my, I was driving a black Ford F-150. I remember it. I was like vivid. I, I drive home. I'm coming, I-5, going back to... Uh, the building that we had youth group at and I'm driving the car I'm talking to God and I just have this feeling inside that I realize like I, I just become in touch with how I'm feeling in the moment and I just start dialogue I just start having a conversation with God I'm like God what is this feeling I hate this feeling I'm getting really honest with God I'm like I hate this feeling. And I start realizing, I feel this feeling sometimes. And one of the times I feel it is every Wednesday. And, and God says to me, alone. You feel alone. And I'm driving, I'm, I'm going south on I-5, heading back to my house, and I just start to ball. <laughs> I'm just bawling in my truck. I do, God. I feel alone. I hate feeling alone. I hate, I hate this feeling. 
And I realized that even though I knew God well, there was a part of my life that I believed He left me alone in. And so I wasn't convinced of the goodness of God in this specific area of my life. And I realized, and and God began to reveal to me in that season, listen, you believe that when the going gets tough, the tough get going, and that you, you fight your way out of a corner. And it's just, it's just like, you don't, you do it alone. And I would say, but I'm believing God, and I was, I'm believing God, but I'm like, God's gonna, do something. He's going to get me through. I'm just going to hang on with enduring faith, but I'm fighting it out alone. I never consciously realized that, but God revealed it to me. And I realized, I think my father leaves me alone in things that he has given me to do and doesn't help me. I I had a belief that God had given me a ministry and expected me to perform well for him. And that, and, and probably it went a little further that like how pleased God was with me had, was related to how well I was doing. And God says, go do this. And then I'll tell you what changed my life. That God never asks me to do anything that he's not doing with me. Isn't that good news? Yeah. My dad does everything with me. And, and, and I get to do everything with my dad. And the joy of it is, when I start just doing the things that my dad wants to do, then I just have the most joy. But I realized in my life that... I, gosh, you know, do you know how many times I felt that feeling and didn't... Because I'm like, no, how many... You know what? Like, you ever done this? Like, you know, you're just like... Persevere, man. We press on. I ain't got time to feel bad about this. You know, and it's like, how you doing? Good. Real good, brother. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm lonely. (laughs) That's what I'm not going (laughs) to say. Oh, good. Just, yeah, struggling. Thanks. Actually, when you learn how to say that, then you're getting free. How you doing? You know what? Good man. Kind of kind of feeling challenged actually. Would you pray for me? When you learn to invite people into your life, oh, you know what? Part of experiencing the fullness of God's love and goodness in our life is learning to receive his love and goodness from each other. Like that that is a kind of a, a bonus note there, but 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 you know that you can open up to God. The way you open up to God and the way we open up to one another is related. If you if you're closed off to all people around you, and you're like, but I'm really open to God, I'm like, you probably think that's true. But I'm going to tell you it's not. I know your heart's open to God, but I'm going to tell you, when you learn to get people into your life who love God, who who you can trust, you're not going to feel alone and you're going to realize you're you're going to realize that part of God's goodness comes through people. And God is enough. But if you want to overflow in your life, you got to be part of a body. 
I didn't expect to say that. That's truth. You're like, I only need God. Well, to go to heaven, yes. To live victoriously and overflow with joy, no. And even if you already are, there's more. Because this is part of the package that God's provided. Amen.